They tell me about times when they landed the big account, but they wondered how they could ever possibly serve it. And I think that's so exciting is just taking that leap because it's there's a lot of there's a lot of faith involved. We're going to figure it out. They'll talk about a time when there was a major mistake that nearly cost them everything. And they'll say something in both cases that's very similar. You're listening to Lead Through Values, where America's Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, helps you create a high-performance workplace by building strong leaders, enhancing communication, and accelerating productivity. And now, here's your host, James Mayhew. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of Lead Through Values. My name is James Mayhew, and I just want to thank you for being here, for being on this journey to learn some tips, some strategies, some practical how-tos on how to build culture in your business, how to create a high-performance workplace, how to become a better leader yourself, or how to develop a strong pipeline of leaders. You know, on today's episode, I want to speak with you about something that's really crucial and uh, vital for your business. It's about your company's DNA. All right. And this message is really focused for you who are business owners and founders. So if you're a business owner, even if you've been a business owner before, you're currently not. I just want you to think back to a time when your company was formed. What was going through your mind? What emotions were you experiencing? As I speak with my clients about this, there's a consistent reaction I get. And it's actually really cool because I get a smile. (laughs) They smile because there's an abundance of experiences that are playing through their mind, kind of like old family videos and films. And I've heard them say things like, I didn't know what I didn't know. I was naive. I thought I had it all figured out. And can I just say real quick, they're not necessarily saying that they didn't know what they were doing, that it was a bad thing. They're maybe even saying at times, because we didn't know what we're doing, we tried stuff that we don't try anymore. And so I think that's just a really cool distinction to make. And they'll go on to say things like, it was a blast. We were killing it. It was so much fun. As I'm listening to them reminisce, and they're going down through this uh, replay of what happened in their business at the early stages, I have to be really careful that I don't ask them questions too fast because I get all interested and excited myself and I'm curious about what happened because when I ask questions too fast, uh, they don't stay locked in that moment. And sometimes when they're when they're thinking, it's those pauses where they are stopping to reflect for a minute and they're really digging deep into a memory. So after some silence, that's when they do start to go deeper. And I hear things like, you know, we had a really great group in the beginning. Everyone knew just what to do. We loved the competition with each other. Uh, We couldn't afford many benefits in the beginning. So when we were slow, we played video games together. And you know, when I watch them tell me about this whole startup phase, you know what I see is I see joy. I see excitement. Most of the time they're recalling this phase, they're not really making eye contact with me. They're looking off into... Up, up at the, the wall or, or off into space because they're really in deep thought. But it's when their eyes return to mine. That's when I know it's okay to ask another question. And I'll say something like, I can tell those are really good memories for you. 
what do you think were some of the reasons you were successful in the early days? And their answers are where I began to help them rediscover their company's DNA. They tell me about times when they landed the big account, but they wondered how they could ever possibly serve it. And I think that's so exciting is just taking that leap because there's, there's a lot of faith involved. We're going to figure it out. They'll talk about a time when there was a major mistake that nearly cost them everything. And they'll say something in both cases that's very similar. They say, we pulled together, everyone pitched in, everyone sacrificed. We learned how to do things on the fly. It wasn't easy, but it was exciting. We learned about each other. And see, when they start to say this piece, this is when I know we're really getting into the best elements. But it's the reality is that these elements, uh, the best things about that company's origins in many cases now, the reason I'm there is because they've been long forgotten. In some cases, maybe it's not so much that they've been forgotten, but they've lost their shine, their power. They don't feel new, unique, or awesome anymore. So here's what happens and why it's absolutely vital to help my clients rediscover this, um, this piece of who they are and where they came from so that they never forget what makes them uniquely better. See, during a company startup, we all have this like there's a nucleus of people, the brain trust, if you will. And there's a very powerful vision that they're following, which is usually driven by the founder or founders. And they constantly talk about that vision almost as if they're reminding themselves that, hey, this is who we are, what we do and why we're better. It happens in meetings. It happens in the moment such as like when they're dealing with an opportunity for a, a client or, or there's an obstacle that they've got to get through or they're dealing with a customer who's unhappy, unhappy and they're like threatening to take their business elsewhere or even worse. Well, it happens as everyone is high-fiving and jumping up and down because you just had your biggest month ever. See, what happens next is inevitable and you grow. And with your growth, you realize that you must start to add more people to keep up with the work. Your business is growing, so you start recruiting. There's something good about how you're recruiting in the early days. You're doing something very special because ultimately, many times you're having to sell great people on the opportunity at your business to make a difference. You know that you're unable to compete on pay, on 401k matches, or even vacation days. But you can compete on opportunity and the ability to do what you do best and then have that be noticed by everyone else, yourself, your boss, your coworkers, your clients, your customers. So let's call this the second ring. You've expanded, you're hiring another layer of employees. Now, this is the second ring because it's beyond the initial founders. These employees mostly understand who the company is, what it does why it's uniquely better, and mostly they understand the tribal knowledge. They get up to speed quickly. There's not that many people there yet. But because you brought them in in this rapid manner, there are some things that don't get taught. Now, this can be both good and bad. I've always figured this way is that new employees have about a 60-day window, give or take, where they're still new enough that they see things more objectively. They see processes that are strained, and they'll tell you. Or they'll ask questions like, why do we do it this way? What if we tried this? Most of the time, that's welcomed. 
confident leaders and confident business owners, they embrace those questions and they're open to suggestions for doing things better. So growth continues. In fact, because of the growth and uh, because of this extra bandwidth with new employees and also the overhead of them, there's this drive that even accelerates growth further. So you end up adding more products or more variations of those products. Your inventory increases. You need more space. And your company's infrastructure begins to be strained even further than it was before. You may not have simple things like enough bathroom space or enough break room space or enough meeting rooms or enough whatever. I mean, it can be really simple at times, but it all creates an impact. And then your company's infrastructure begins to be strained further. Computer systems and computer storage, things like that, they're strained. Your CRM, remember how you graduated from spiral notebooks and sticky notes, then you got into like spreadsheets and maybe a simple CRM. Well, it's no longer used. It's it's not reliable. It's not up to date. Cost of inventory, that becomes an issue. Managing inventory turn rates. You don't have visibility or maybe they're not accurate. And again, you're going to need more people. So you rapidly bring in another round of new hires. We'll call this the third ring. They, you know, maybe you're hiring people and shipping and receiving. So you, you add personnel there. And that's to keep up with the promises that you've made your customers. Maybe you hire an accountant because your bookkeeper has reached the limit of their abilities. You add two more sales specialists who split time between customer service, outbound sales and fielding inbound calls. Like there's a lot happening. The third ring is onboarded even faster because those people are needed. And your hiring process, well, it's, there isn't usually one or it's not very good. It ends up, you, you end up cutting corners. You don't do things like reference checks beyond your second ring employees telling you that they know someone who'd be great. And the people that you're interviewing um, now are third level connections because instead of being recruited by you and the others in the first ring, the founders, well, it's, it's expanded now. And this third ring of new hires, they know the least about the company. They know far less than the first and second rings do. They end up bringing their own set of values, their own expectations about work, their own morals. You know, the truth is that some people in the third ring are great. They're perfect. They're a perfect fit. To be honest with you, you got lucky because some are the wrong fit. And there might even be some of those in the wrong fit that are downright toxic to what you're trying to do. But again, you're still making money. You're still growing even despite those little challenges, those hurdles. Growth continues. Your process of hiring also continues, which again, I just illustrated, isn't all that great. Now, let me stop right there for a minute. And I want to bring it back to something I said earlier. When I talk with the business owner or the owner slash founders about the good old days, remember, they get a smile and a little twinkle in their eye. And then they start to reflect and they ask me this important question. How do we get back to where we were in the beginning? They go on. We were so good. Everyone was happy. We didn't have drama. Don't get me wrong. We're making money and we're doing good, good things, but I'm just not as happy. And I don't get to work on the business like I used to. And that right there, that right there is why rediscovering your company's DNA now, today is vital. I don't care whether you're in your first couple of years or your 20th year, 
The time is now. If you've made it 20 years and you're still struggling with this, I want to give you huge props for fighting through it because I know it hasn't been easy for you. But there is a never been a better time than now to rediscover what that DNA is. So when I'm helping my clients rediscover their origins, they begin to see what could be and then they start realizing just how far they've drifted from who they were. And I often hear phrases like, you know, we used to do strategy sessions every month. Or they'll say, our meetings were productive. Everyone knew what to do. Life was easier then. And then I lead them through various exercises to really help them define what it was that made them uniquely better. Like a great cook in the, cook in the kitchen. Uh, they follow their intuition a lot, you know, with ingredients and the amounts to use. So they start a restaurant, but they'll end up having to teach those recipes. Therefore, they've got to write them down so that when they hire additional people to prepare that food, that food is consistent because it's unlikely that that chef can be there the whole time. There's too many hours. You see, in your business, if it's not a restaurant, you still have to do the same thing. You have to discover and define your company's DNA, your own recipe, if you will. And that's what your culture is. It's, it's your values, your behaviors, your mindsets. It's how you do your work as a team. I was at a client's business recently. We were doing a, um, a training. We're working through this, uh, this long-term program together. I arrived early so I could write something on the whiteboard that the owner had said to me sometime previous. And I always do this exercise to because to, when people come in from their day to day and they're going to start working with me, I don't know what it is that's distracting them, but I know they're distracted because it's kind of like when the going back to high school or some time when you had a, a bell told you to go from class to class and you went from history to say algebra to English. Maybe I just made myself really sound old there. I don't know, but that's okay. <laughs> but Remember when the bell rang, you had to like shift gears mentally. You had four minutes in, in my high school to get from class to class. Go to your locker, get a drink, use the bathroom, whatever it was. Uh, talk to your girlfriend. And But you, as soon as you came into algebra and you just came from history, your mind had to shift and think, not so much on memorizing what happened in history or understanding it. Now you were starting to try and figure out how to solve difficult equations that you don't know that you'll ever use in the real world. That's the same thing when I come into a business setting like that. When I'm going to start a meeting, I need to do something that gets them more into the moment. So I was thinking that day as I arrived early that, yeah, I could write that on the whiteboard, but in the moment, I just decided to, to uh, do something to create a little bit more impact. And I asked the person who ended up sitting closest to the whiteboard if they would write something for me. So they came in, I asked them that, yep, they step, step up there, they grab the marker. And I just said, I want you to write something that the owner who's, you know, to my left said to me some time ago, here's it, here's what it is. If we don't develop our people, our business model is dead. As I dictated what to write, I realized how captive the room was to that statement in that moment. It was super quiet. As the person finished writing the statement, I said, thank you. And now if you would, please write this date above that statement. And I gave them the date and it was 10 months earlier. So I've been working with them for a while. And I asked them, is this statement still true today? Yes, absolutely was their response. I nodded. Okay, next question. What does it mean to develop someone here? 
And that question became the basis for our meeting that day. We spent the next 75 minutes brainstorming better ways to improve how the company develops its people through their DNA. Don't miss this part. Conversations always create more clarity, but conversations aren't one-sided. That's a lecture. Conversations create a safe place for people to ask questions, to challenge current processes and systems, to disagree, and to rally together to solve difficult problems. Creating a safe place is something that all high-performance workplaces do well. They do it consistently throughout the entire organization. Because it comes down to this, conversations create clarity, and that means people know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and they know why it needs to be done. And that leads to those actions, because the actions that we take off of that clarity then, that determines the results. If you want this for your company and you've been struggling to make progress or find time, why not give me a call today? You can reach me directly at 319 929-2604. You can send an email to coach at jamesmayhew.com, put lead through values in the subject line, and let's get the conversation started. I'm James Mayhew, and I give my clients a competitive advantage that can't be duplicated because we build a high-performance workplace because we find excellent people, we help them do exceptional work, and we do that work on the most important things. I'll catch you next time on Lead Through Values.